really the underlying thing is you're getting old, girl. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> just another kind of free form rock and roll. Make you groove solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Just another kind of free form rock and roll. Make you groove solo, maybe want to tap a toe. your host Madison Fantosi and I'm your co-host Leah Bartholomew and we're joined today by Kim Duranda testing and tutoring manager of the Lakeland campus teaching learning computing center that's a mouthful better known as the TLCC and when she's not connecting students to testing and tutoring resources she's coordinating the Polk State Pantry located behind the Lakeland campus TLCC to provide food to students in need thanks for being with us today thank you so for starters, can you describe to us what the pantry really is for students? Yeah, absolutely. So we try to create a space where students can come and get, whether it's just a bottle of water and a snack bar, something that keeps them from walking into the classroom hungry. Um, they can come in and grab those items. They can pick up groceries for the week. It really just depends on what the individual student needs. So they just walk in the door. They don't have to explain to us. They don't have to ask any questions of what they, you know, I mean, it's, it's just they shop, basically. So they walk in get whatever items that they need. Um, They can come as often as they like. We have toiletries. Um, We try to make sure that personal hygiene categories are met, um, as well as snack items and grocery staples. Um, We even keep frozen goods, so kind of whatever they can pop over the cafeteria and heat stuff up, whatever works for that individual. Cool. So this started in 2018, and you were really instrumental in that. So can you tell me what kind of motivated you or why you saw a need for this on yeah, sure. Um, well, in addition to having seen a variety of things out there, literature definitely indicates that hunger is an issue for a lot of students going through college. Um, and our community isn't necessarily one known for you know high incomes. And so we certainly knew the need was there. But then it actually was a Facebook post somebody shared about a community library where they had just like a little box set up and people could put in books. If somebody wanted a book, they get a book. Well, dialogue ensued on Facebook as it does. And we kind of got this idea of what about making that a food thing and where would we put such a thing? Well, two or three of us that were talking, well, we work at the college. Well, that's where we would put that thing. So um, it just kind of went from, hey, that's a neat idea to, hey, let's talk in person, see if we could really make something like this happen. We went to, uh, there were two or three of us, and we went to Steve Hall, who was immediately like, yes, let's make this happen. We'll find a space. We'll make it work. Um, any obstacles that we ran into along through that process, he took care of. Um, and that small group kind of reached out to folks to get donations, just kind of brainstormed, okay, where can we put this that it's discreet, but yet it's trying to be invisible, but visible at the same time so right. that students are comfortable coming into the space. So we were fortunate enough that we kind of shuffled some things in our break room, or not our break room, sorry, our supply room in the back of the TLCC. Um, so we're near a busy space without being the busy space. So we just... Kind of started from a closet basically there and reached out for donations from faculty and staff and kind of bloomed from there. Um, we opened in January of 27, no, 2018. What year is it? 20, yeah, 2018. Sorry. <laughs> we opened in January of 2018 and it's been going ever since. So. Do you have student volunteers or is it just faculty staff that help run and facilitate? Great question. And it comes up all the time because... Right now, we use just faculty and staff volunteers, Um, and the reason for that is not everybody's as comfortable walking in the door and possibly seeing a face of a friend or a classmate, Mm -hmm. so we wanted to be mindful of that. Some students, it's not going to 
phase them one bit. Another student who walks in, especially that student who's doing some serious grocery shopping, right. doesn't want to walk in and the volunteer sitting there is in their next class right. across from them in math. Right. So we decided that for confidentiality reasons and the comfort of the visitors to the, um, the pantry that we would use faculty and staff. And we've actually had a couple of people who have re- since retired from the college but continue to do their hours with us but still have that level of yeah. you know confidentiality, a little more comfort level for the students. Yeah, that's nice. So we've had students who wanted to volunteer, yeah. which is fantastic. Um, but I think, for now at least, just to keep our visitors as comfortable as possible, if we have big inventory things, you know, we can call upon students to volunteer and help with the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Right. But, but, yeah, we've been very fortunate that staff and faculty have really stepped up to give us, because we're only open when they're there. So, right. you know, when they jump in, we, we open our doors and they come. That's so, awesome. So. Well, do you accept from students as well as faculty and staff? Absolutely, yeah, from anybody, honestly. So um, we accept um, donations when the pantry is open, but also because of the proximity to the ELCC and we have much more open hours than the pantry does. Um, Anybody can drop off stuff anytime. Um, We've had anything from like, oh, it was BOGO week at Publix kind of thing, you know, and I stocked up and brought stuff in to, you know, I just got back from a conference and I had everybody that was at the conference get the toiletries from their rooms and somebody will bring us a big bag of those. So it's really anything. So whatever somebody is willing to donate, and what's really been amazing is we've actually had students who will visit us, come in and get the stuff that they need, get back on their feet, and they're back in with a bag of stuff to donate a month wow. later. That's so awesome. that's been really incredible. And some students will share, you know, like, I can't believe I'm having to do this. I just started a new job. This is my first semester. I'm really, you know, just getting, absolutely, come on in. That's what we're here for. And then that student comes back the next semester, paychecks are steady now, things are getting, you know, car repairs that were taking extra money or taken care of, whatever it might be, and they turn around and come back and pay it back for somebody else. So that's been really cool to see. But we also work not only with those like physical donations of bags of stuff to put on the shelves, but we've been really fortunate that we've received donations from public Charities as well as several of the local Walmart stores. And we've also worked with the Kids Pack program. So we've been really lucky in that respect that not only do we have whatever somebody picks up to put on the shelf, but then we also have that monetary resource that we can turn to when we're kind of in between food drives or we have a student who has a specific need, but then we can help grab that stuff. We've also had some people donate just like $10 Publix gift cards. That way if an individual comes in that we see a very specific thing that they need or maybe there's a baby in the household and we don't necessarily have baby things all the time, right. we can throw them a gift card or two and then they, we you know, they will get specific things with their dietary limitations. has the response been like from students? How many um, individuals are you getting in there in a semester or however you guys are talking? We were blown away. I mean, even knowing that the need is out there, knowing it and then seeing it on your campus is a very different thing. We just were blown away right from jump with how many people showed up. The very first semester we opened in spring of 2018, we had 553 visits. And so because we don't track individuals and we don't track what they take, that could be anything from a student walking in the door and literally, like I mentioned, grabbing a bottle of water out of the fridge and a granola bar. It might also be a single parent or a person on their own or whatever it might be, literally getting a couple weeks worth of groceries and walking out with three big bags of stuff. Um, but because we don't track individuals, we don't ask for any documentation, we, nothing, um, 
we do have repeat visitors and that's completely cool. We have other people that have only been there once, but so I don't have unique visitor information, but we just, we know how many people, how many visits have occurred. But now as of, I think I counted the total as of about three days ago, since January of 2018 to where are we, June of 2019, we've had over 2,800 visits. So... Yeah, it's, it's crazy it's a lot. that we have that sort of need. I mean, that kind of makes me sad, but it's awesome that that resource is there. Well, and that. that's the thing. The need was there even when we weren't. Mm-hmm. And so what we know now is that 2,800 times, hopefully, we've done something to help meet that need. And people ask all the time, well, aren't you worried that if you don't track what people do or, like, limit how often they can come? And we, we researched a lot of what other food pantries do at, at other institutions. And there are places that, you know, you get a number and you can only come so often and they mark you on a list. and we really, really wanted to push the idea of taking down the barriers for the student who might not come if they felt like there was a record of them being there or that somebody was analyzing what they were taking or how often they were coming or something like that. And so we just kind of decided that we wouldn't put any of those things in place. We will act in good faith and hope that they do as well. Do I think that every single student that's walked in needed, you know, couldn't, make other arrangements of course not but we figure the rare occasion that something like that happens is so blown out of the park unimportant mm-hmm. by the student who walked in and it was the difference between them having something to eat that morning and not so have you talked to or been collaborating with winter haven at all to some extent on um, their program my brother's keeper functions very differently mm-hmm. than we do um and we knew from inception that that was it was just going to be a very different model. Yeah. Um, and they do have additional services related to like community support and things like that, as well as staff that, that we don't have. And so we decided, given that difference, that when we could collaborate, we would. Um, and when uh, donations have come into the college, you know, we, we divvy those things up uh, depending upon how the donation is, is earmarked. Um, We've tried to support one another. My brother's keeper has sent items to us when they've gotten kind of an overflow of something. Um, another project that I do outside of the college that I bring resources in for women's toiletries, we've donated and supported both of those locations. But as a general rule, we kind of function separately. Certainly if we have a student that we learn is going to be on the Winter Haven campus share, that, that resource is available. Right. Right. So. Or what about Lake Wales? We haven't done a whole lot with Lake Wales, but there isn't any reason why today isn't the day we make a phone call and say, hey, do you have yeah. a space where we can set something up? Yeah. Because there's no question that, you know, the east side of the county has needs just like we do. So um, that's certainly something that we can explore. And now that we've got a year under our belts, absolutely. you know, I, I think we could certainly check into what their options might be to spread the wealth. Yeah. So. Yeah. I guess that was really the question was, are you planning on kind of going out further into all of our other campuses and satellite I'm not sure how far we could spread it um, just because it is staff right. challenged you know what I mean like right. you know it's going to be up to volunteers but I would love at the very least to see if JDA has folks that yeah. mind doing it even just on a small scale yeah. get something started you know that would serve the population that they well, if you need some flyers, you know who to come to. I do. That's fantastic. <laughs> Great. Well, and so we'll include all the information on the page where the listeners are hearing this. But um, for my brother's keeper, 
can you tell us um, where students can access specifically the Polk State Pantry on the Lakeland campus? How do they find that? Okay, so we are, um, the Lakeland campus is always fun because every corner you turn looks like the oh, last yeah. corner you turn. So um, we are at the back corner of LLC. So like if you're looking at the front door of the TLCC, just go down the windows and around the corner. So if you can get to the TLCC or library, you're a stone's throw away and anybody there can direct students to the pantry. If somebody wants to make a donation, they can do that at the TLCC or the pantry. If they need assistance, we're limited in hours just on when our volunteers can be there. But if the TLCC is open and somebody has a need and the pantry is not open, more often than not, somebody can grab the keys and let that person you know, grab what they need. Because we certainly don't want to presume that we're always there when somebody needs something as far as the pantry hours are concerned. So we, we try to make that as accessible as possible. Um, and one other thing that was cool that was set up for us, um, the foundation on the Polk website, actually they have a drop-down thing where you can earmark if you want your donation to go to a specific place. Oh, and we're actually set up on there, as is my brother's keeper. But um, if an individual wants to make a monetary donation, they can actually just click there that their donation to the foundation is specifically for those two locations that's, so that's that's helped a lot as far as getting word out into the community cool. to say hey this is here you know don't worry you don't have to drive to campus and drop off a bag of soup you know you can do this too so really fun. so tell us a little bit about your passion for helping people even outside of the college what are some of your initiatives that you're working on in the community okay cool um well one of the things i kind of mentioned slightly that we um, bring products into the pantry is um some friends and i started an effort this has been our third year this year called Lakeland Pad Parties, and we collect uh, pads and tampons and other um, period-related supplies uh, for women and girls in need. Um, it started social media, again, with the idea of, hey, next time you have a girls' night, have everybody bring a box and then donate them to a women's shelter or something like that. And so I shared it. was like, hey, what a great idea. Next time you and your girls get together, do this. We're going to do this. Well, then a friend was like, well, hey, let's join our girls' nights, and everybody brings it. That way we collect more stuff, and hey, double girls' night, what's more fun than that? So we decided to get together, and then she shares it, and then people started commenting and doing, well, what turned into, well, what started out as, like, her two or three girlfriends and my two or three girlfriends ended up being, like, about 40 people that we were like, okay, that's not going to work in my living room or, you know, at Carabas or something. So we had to make bigger plans. Um so that first year, we ended up coordinating with uh, the Poor Porker in Lakeland um, and just invited folks to come out, drop by, hang out, bring a donation, grab a drink, whatever you want to do. And we, in our very first year, collected over 18,000 units to donate to local service centers. And so we were like, how in the world did this just bloom like this? You know, But how amazing are these people that have helped support that? So then we decided to make it an annual thing. So we did it a second year. Now, we just finished our third year, and after year three, we have contributed to more than a dozen local service centers in, throughout Polk County and collected over 47,000 units wow. to share with those people. And it's just, it, it really is crazy. I mean, like, just this idea of, like, hey, you bring a box, I'll bring a box, and people have just really responded. And one of the things that we kind of drove that was, even at Christmas time when everybody goes and buys and makes their donations and does this stuff, all the lists talk about like soap and deodorant and shampoo and all those things. And, like, obviously that's fantastic, but you can go a day without that, but you can't really go a day without that other stuff. And so we were like, that stuff's not getting talked about and it's not getting donated. Right. And so we can do something about that. 
So that's what we did. Um, we've talked about doing a diaper drive, so hopefully that's on the horizon as well because you need to buy diapers. It's yeah. crazy expensive. So good. But, yeah, that, so that's kind of our big thing. But, you know, between the opportunity that I get to serve students just in the TLCC in general and now through the pantry, I'm getting to coordinate the pad party and bring those supplies into the college resources as well. Um, there's just so many opportunities that it really doesn't take a whole lot. And I'm figuring that out, especially with social media. Just just ask, and it's amazing how much people will step up and do. And Definitely. so I kind of like to think that if you put it out there, people really will be amazing. So, you know, it's just it's just one more way that we're, we're getting everybody to, to show their good. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's like restoring are... my faith in humanity. Yes. Yeah. yes. If you give people a chance to be awesome, they will commonly step up. So. Any other initiatives that you would like to highlight? Well, um, this is kind of in the college and without, outside the college. Um, I'm also the staff advisor for the Free to Be Me Club on the Lakeland campus, um, which is our student LGBT organization. Um, it's actually been an official club with a constitution, all the autographs and all this stuff for, I think, since 2011, 2012. It's been going for a while. It ebbs and flows. Um it's kind of unique in that, unlike any other club on campus, you can't just walk around and be like, hey, you want to join the gay club? You know, I mean, it doesn't work that way. So you kind of have to wait for students to come to you. And it doesn't matter if a student is an ally or a community member. Um, it's still a very personal decision whether or not you want to get involved with the student organization. But we're present at Club Rush. Um, every semester we have club meetings every week. And so just trying to create a space, kind of like our safe zone training that we do for staff and faculty, just helping folks create a space and recognize the diversity that's on our campus. And we talk about diversity a lot, but I think it's super important to talk about what that really means and how broad that is and recognizing, especially now in 2019, the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, um, the importance of being inclusive for all of our LGBT students on campus and our coworkers. Um, we're planning big events for October, which is History Month, LGBT History Month. Mm -hmm. So we don't do a whole lot in June simply because it's too hot and there are no students around to speak of. So um, we want to we do something big. And so we're looking forward to October being that and the, the student organization and the Office of Equity and Diversity and uh, student activities all kind of combine efforts to do that. That'll be, this will be our second year. Um, so it's really awesome. I'm super fortunate to get to be the point of contact and, and to help facilitate those events and we try to create inclusive spaces everywhere we can, but those meetings, I think, are important to give students a space. And so, you know, I get, I get the, the cool opportunity of being of being that person, at least for now, that, you know, they can come to. And if they're having difficulties or they need to know about resources or something, if it's not me, it's another, you know, student that's sitting in the organization. So it's 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 been really cool. And some, some semesters, it's me and two or three students. Other semesters, there's 30 people sitting there. So it really just depends. Um, but keep plugging away and that continues to grow and the college continues to expand on resources and ways that we can continue that diversity commitment. And how do students recognize those safe zones on campus? Is there a sticker that they're looking out for? Yes, yes. So our safe zone training is specifically for uh, staff and faculty here at the college. It's offered several times throughout the year um, and it's a four-hour session where they can come and learn terminology and maybe symbols to look for um, 
so that they can be mindful of the LGBT community um, as they interact with their students and not maybe use presumptive language as we interact. We learn how to ask questions about pronoun, preferred pronouns and preferred names and just being mindful of the way we interact with all students. And so once an individual has completed that training, um, they receive a certificate, um, but they also get a sticker to put in their office um, as well as like a lapel pen that a lot of us wear lanyards or, you know, put them on your cuff or whatever. Um, but that way it helps the students recognize hopefully we're all inclusive and we're all safe spaces. But what that badge does is let that student know that this particular individual has participated in this training um, and has been introduced to some skills and some knowledge, hopefully, that um, they're not meant to be counselors, certainly, but that they're going to be able to walk into a judgment-free zone. And if they need help or need direction or it's just a difficult moment, that that's a safe space for them to be at that, at that point in time. And so um, we have some departments that multiple people from the departments have gone, and then like our TLCC is a much more open space. So there isn't a your office, my office kind of vibe. There's this entire space. And so we have several places throughout the TLCC that you'll see either a rainbow flag or you'll see the safe zone sticker or something to that end so that when the student walks in the door, they know that. And so of all places where we're offering academic support, we want them to know that this is a place where they can be comfortable. So hopefully you'll see more and more of those stickers throughout the campus. So very cool. No, I did want to comment, though, on... Uh, it is so, you know, we're, we're in Winter Haven, so I don't really get the pleasure of being in Lakeland too often. But it was so great the last couple of events that you guys did. Um, our photographer went over there and took, took some photos, and it was just like, those are such pretty photos. They're, like, so colorful, and it looks like you guys are having so much fun, and you've got all these little cool games and engagements, and it just, like, it looked like, you know, a really awesome college experience. Like, it made me think, man, I wish I was a student. Like, Very cool. Lakeland right now. Well, yeah. and, and we're hoping to make that even bigger. We did a couple of things during the LGBT History Month stuff in October on this campus. We want to grow that even more. I mean, kind of by default, just because I live on the Lakeland campus. Right. We, we did it, and the club is based there. But we certainly want to expand that. We want to make sure that we're touching all of the campuses with those events. And and you're, you're absolutely right. I can remember one of the first things that a student said to me when we got everything set up and first started our first day last October a young lady came up all but running down the sidewalk. Yeah. And she says, I could see it from the parking lot. And she was just over the moon. Like, yeah. and, and people would come in, I'm, I'm so glad you guys are out here. And they weren't talking to me per se. They were just putting it out in the universe. Yeah. Like this moment yeah. here that I can connect and feel more comfortable and know that I've made the right choice in being here. Yeah. And, and I, I think people forget sometimes how important that moment can be you right. know especially for a new or first time in college right you know that's that's a really big moment and if it's not the lgbt organization it's some other club or it's right. some other moment but to, to get to experience that moment with a student is really awesome yeah so. you could just see like everyone was just really excited yeah and just, well and i was i was thrilled because there's no question that everybody we positively interacted with is is not a community member isn't an lgbt community member but we were so fully embraced and the interactions were all positive and that's not something you can say about that experience everywhere all the time right and so being able to create that was really awesome and knowing that 
Suffolk County has come a long way and for us to have that on the campus and be so visible and be so engaged and be so well supported by the college is just phenomenal. Where did the name Free to Be name come from? Um, Hours and hours of discussion. Okay. (laughs) Um, That sounds more than it is, but after numerous club meetings as the club was just trying to kind of figure out what it was going to be and how we would identify it. And it was kind of like the pantry, that whole idea of being visible but invisible at the same time. Um, Some students are completely comfortable wearing their rainbow cape. Other students want to come to the meeting, but you can't have a big flag outside the door that says what it is because they're not there yet. And so we wanted a name that if you felt like you were looking for a space, might help you dig a little further and figure out what it was, but not a name that screamed what it was Mm -hmm. so that the student who wasn't there yet could still feel comfortable participating. And um, I mean, we still have to keep in mind, we have students who participate but can't write their email addresses down because family can't know that they're attending the meetings. They can't get text messages about what the club is doing. And so we still try to straddle that line. But the whole idea of creating a space where everybody who came was free to be themselves that was always kind of the underlying vibe. And so I think it just kind of naturally grew out of that sentiment. Um, and I can't credit who threw it out there, but I think once they kind of rolled it around and felt that, what that meant. Um, and and we, we kind of, there were, there were some who wanted us to just flat out just say it was the GSA, the Gay Straight Alliance. And that's the term that individuals are familiar with coming from the K-12 system. That's the phrase that's used there. We wanted it to feel bigger than that. And anytime you try to put an acronym or a label to it, and that the LGBT soup, like the letters, there are so many of them. Like, And if you don't use all of them, then you feel like you've left somebody out, which is the opposite of what we're trying to do. So we wanted to steer clear of even putting that in the yeah. title. So, But I think at the heart of it is that comfort in myself and comfort to be myself around the I heard when you started the club for the first time and, like, Melvin was sending all the, you know, clubs over and here's, like, the, the lineup. It actually gave me a flashback from, like, the 80s. And do you remember, I think it was Whoopi Goldberg started, it was a tape cassette, and it was called Free to Be a Family. I do not remember this. And the song was, free to be you and me, and you and me, we're free to be a family. And it was the 80s, but each little thing was about this boy grew up and he wanted a doll. A doll, a doll. Timmy wants a doll, but one of these is going to be a father. One of these days he's going to be a father, too. And it was very much about, like, accepting people. Mm -hmm. And some people are gay. Some people are straight. Some people don't want to have, like, want to have a kid but don't want to be in a marriage or X, Y, and Z. And it was, like, really interesting because that gave me this flashback of, like, the free to be a family right. soundtrack right. from the eighties. Right. I, I totally have to go find this. Yeah. and so. I'm pretty sure Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg was in it too. Like I think she was a voice. That, that makes sense. She was yeah. definitely a voice. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's very cool. Well, and to hear that message in that time frame, the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of folks were saying it out loud. Are so. you? Did you grow up here? I did. Yeah, born and raised in Lakeland. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So and raising my daughter here now. So it's. It's definitely a different environment, culturally speaking, yeah. than it was growing up in the 80s. So, yeah. 
and, and, and even here at the college, I mean, I am an alum. I went here 93 to 95, wow. and the opportunities and the um, embrace that we offer for students. It was a fantastic school, but it's fantastical now. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a word, but it I is did not now. learn that at Paul State. <laughs> but, but it is. I mean, in just the way that we, we, we practice what we preach. We have mm-hmm. a fantastic diversity statement, mm-hmm. and we have really strong values that I think we get a great opportunity to really demonstrate to students all the mm-hmm. time, and that our student organizations are a great way that we show that. So. I was really impressed, too. Like, I didn't come from higher education. Like, this is, like, as a job working. But I was impressed with, um, like, when I went to college and my interactions with faculty and staff versus here, which I went to sort of a bigger school. And here it's very intimate. And you can tell, like, the different professors that are super passionate about what you know they do all these extra things and go the extra mile so even in like with clubs and and faculty and staff it's really interesting that like you really can as a student and I I wasn't a student at Polk State but I just kind of imagine like there's so many people and in working here it's like you do feel like you're part of a family so it's neat to be able to have these different venues and I think that's really especially for a smaller school like we are a smaller school right right. but you know we do serve a lot of and there's it's just really great it is well and being a smaller school and recognizing the value that that has for our students I mean so many of our students are the first ones in their families to go to college and making it a positive intimate experience for them and I I, I just think it's it's a great opportunity to to strengthen them in addition to the academic benchmark that they have over here my background was social services and so getting to go from working in the welfare to work program and economic services and that sort of thing and then coming into higher ed, it seems like a big leap. But when you're in a community like Polk County, it really isn't. Right. And getting to see faces that I knew from my previous mm-hmm. life here right. and seeing the successes that they're able to have because of what Polk State does. Yeah, that's super rewarding. That must be like, yeah. man, okay, awesome, yeah. something Worked. Yeah, of course, now I'm getting old enough that I'm seeing the children of the people that I worked <laughs> with coming here, but but that's even better, you know, I mean, the yeah, community is absolutely. just continuing, and we're always a part of that, and I, I've had kids come into the club meeting who I met when they were little kids, wow. when their parents first started here as students, and now they're the college student, yeah. and then now not only do I get to see them come into the TLCC and make use of resources, and I work in the library, and I get to see them work in the library, now I get to see them at club meetings and at club rush and out doing those things as well. And they're engaged and they're staying on campus and it's a really significant part of their growing up experience. And that's, that's really cool to get to be part of that. That's really awesome. So, and that's not really a crazy parallel, like going from like social services to, you know, it's, it makes it, now I completely, I kind of get it. Like, cause I wondered how did you get into, to me, I'm really bad at research and I'm really bad at like legal stuff or the rules. So it's like, how did she start all of these programs it seems very overwhelming to me and earlier when you said like if you put it out there people will show you the good and it was like okay that kind of stuck with me a little bit but it's like man it seems like there's so many like formalities and then this and then the foundation and then you got to do this and you got to do this and I'm like how does she do it and now that a little bit of background yes well and I I am a good organizer like I that's I'm pretty good my desk in my house would not suggest that but like 
if, if friends want to do something, I'm the organizer. Like, oh, we'll talk about doing something. But if I don't make the reservation and tell everybody when to be there, like, it doesn't happen. Yeah. That person. But I also recognize, and I, I, I feel awkward when people are like, oh, the pantry, thank you so much. I'm like, I just opened the door. Right. Literally, and you walk in and you do what you need to do. You and the skills. next volunteer does the same thing. They open the door. Right. And it doesn't matter if we're opening the door to a donation or we're opening the door to a person who did something from it. It doesn't matter if we're opening the door to have a pad party and have people bring donations. It really is just giving other people a chance to be amazing because I didn't collect 47,000 things to donate. Right. You know, that took 100 people making a donation to right. do, you know, or however many people. Um, but it, it, it really is powerful to get to at least be part of that experience and and see how incredible when you add up all of those individuals the yeah. difference can be. So awesome. it's very cool. Yeah. And they let me come back and play with them. So <laughs> That's nice. Stuff. Yes. Well I agree with Leah that now that we know that you have a background with social work, it kind of it kind of is all tying together and makes a little more sense. So could we go back even a little further and you tell us why you chose to go into social work in the beginning when you were studying? Um, I graduated college and needed a full-time job. <laughs> um, that, and that is the honest answer to that. Um, so I had I'd worked retail, like going through college, and then, you know, graduate college. I got married like three weeks after I graduated from college. And you're married and you're a college graduate, so maybe you should have a job. Right. <laughs> thing, you know, so um, I... Uh, applied for a job with um, the Department of Children and Families and got a position as an issuance clerk. And I'm really showing my age now. This is 1997. And so it was still paper food stamps. And so I worked in the little box, like a little bank teller and distributed food stamps. Well, I quickly realized that working inside the little box was going to be a little nerve wracking for me for a considerable period of time. You know, that just wasn't going to be a long time thing. And so I took advantage of opportunities to, when we had downtime, go to another area and see what they were doing and learn some things that were happening there. And so taking advantage of that opportunity and having a really awesome supervisor who wanted somebody who was eager to go learn something new, I got into another position. Shortly after that, um, I got the opportunity for a caseworker position, and I did that for a couple of years. And then I left DCF, and it was when a lot of the privatization of different contract things with the state for the welfare to work program were happening. Um, and then I worked several years doing that, and I got to start teaching workshops like life management skills and planning and job search, resume writing, like all, all these just kind of life skill things. And I really enjoyed doing that. I'm not sure who it is that thought I had those skills, but I somehow managed to pull that off. And I really enjoyed that interaction, which was very different than being a caseworker where you decided if somebody got benefits or not. I actually got to interact with the people more than the paperwork. That's great. And so I think that's when I started to really realize how much of a difference every individual that you come into contact with, you know, there's there's always that opportunity. Um, And so... But you also get burnt out doing those things because there's always limits to what you can do for each individual that you're working with. Um, and then an opportunity came up for a position at the college and the stars aligned and the universe said it was time to move to something else. And 
that opportunity came through for me. And that was actually a shared position on the Winter Haven and Lakeland campus. Um, and I did that for about a year and a half. And what was it? Um, it is the tutoring services coordinator position. So um, it kind of was a natural progression from the workshops and things. And this was like training tutors yeah. and doing that sort of stuff. And at that point then realized how much I liked the idea of higher ed. Um, and then a really amazing opportunity came up when uh, Simi Johnson, who was the manager of the TLCC at the time, um, moved on to the student services area. And then I was fortunate enough to take that position when she left. And that's where I've been ever since. And I, I love what I do. Like, I, I, I mean, there are days it's hard to get out of bed. You know, I mean, I'm realistic. But I, I really do love what I do. You never know what someone's need is going to be the next day. I work with a great team. Um, you know, we get to see a variety of students. It changes all the time. There are a dozen different things and services that we offer. And so everybody coming in the door is trying to figure out where you can help them, what you can do for them, and getting the right folks in place who can help them. Um, and then that opportunity of having so many folks that we get to interact with really gives me the opportunity to then help to figure out where we can jump in and help with some of those other things. So, and that's one of the things that we always tell people when they come for a tour of the TLCC is like, yes, we are ideally the hub for academic support between us and the library, library. Um, but we also recognize that it's more than just about getting help with the computer or getting help with math right. or whatever it might be. Um, it's a whole person that we're dealing with. And so I think kind of all of that history kind of puts me in the right place at the right time. So, and then thankfully with the right people and the right resources who then can make all of that wonderful stuff happen. We get to do what we get to do. And we get to do good times. Good times. <laughs> and then I get to do fun stuff like this. Yeah, so <laughs> totally. That's crazy. So you went from issuing food stamps in this little box to now you mm -hmm. have it's kind of a weird yeah it all came full circle but you said that you really like interacting with the people and all of that so I think the college campus is a perfect fit for you and we're just really fortunate to have you so oh, yeah. I can't put this girl in a box <laughs> so it all started she's like I need to think outside of this box we the, need to get box. a bigger space for the food pantry right one day space yeah. is always a premium of on course, campus of, of course. course so for now we have the uh, our fabulous facilities folks put in like little partitions so our little copier and supply room oh. is now the box <laughs> and now the pantry is twice the size of the supply room so um but yeah the more we could grow that the better um but right now we're we're filling the shelves and folks are coming in and we'll hopefully be doing another big drive as we come up to the fall semester so we're stocked and ready to rock and roll so, that's the plan. Thanks so much for coming on to Polkcast and for everything you. that you do here, everything that you do here at Polk State. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate getting the opportunity to share. Make it funky! Just another kind of freeform rock and roll. Make you groove solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Just another kind of freeform rock and roll. Make you groove solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Yeah!